Well, hello there. Happy Blessed Thursday as we make preparation as far as our Bible study is concerned today. And I am certainly delighted and elated for those of you all who are able to join us for our Thursday teaching. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but it is just an absolute gorgeous day here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, the weather is perfect. If there was any sense of heaven on earth, uh, I believe it would be a uh, day like today. It is just absolutely gorgeous. And I'm not saying that just because it's my birthday. Lord, allow me to see 53 years today. So uh, I thank God for that. But it's, the weather is just absolutely gorgeous outside. I just want to go outside and walk, you know, can't do too much playing now because, you know, I'm 53 years old. And so uh, all that stuff is going out the window. But it is just the weather is perfect. Um, uh, so I tell somebody, I thank the Lord uh, for providing this day. But I do not want to um, uh, negate nor neglect my uh, responsibilities as far as teaching uh, whenever I can. And so even on today, it is just a wonderful, blessed privilege to be able to see another day and to be able to share with you all as far as Bible study is concerned. Last week, I only got to verse two. So hopefully and prayerfully today, I will finish uh, James chapter one, starting at verse three through uh, verse eight. And we want to do uh, a wonderful serious drill down. I want you to do me this favor. If you have any questions, please put them in the chat. Uh, I am able to see your questions live and I will answer them uh, as they come up as far as the chat is concerned. Uh, we are trying to make uh, our Bible study time um, as uh, instructive and as immersive, immersive as possible. And so uh, um, with that, we want to go ahead and get started as far as this time together is concerned. My staff is doing several things today. Of course, they are doing in-conference as far as a digital conference is concerned on church and culture. And uh, eventually I'm going to get back to that, but want to be with you all in Bible study. So, if you have your Bibles, we want to turn to James chapter one, starting at verse three. James chapter one, starting at verse three. Uh, last week we did um, some um, markup as far as the text is concerned. And uh, I want to uh, pick up as far as uh, verse three. I'm going to reread it as far as our time together is concerned. And then what we want to do is we really want to kind of... Uh, do the deep dive that will hopefully and prayerfully um, look at making the application that we that we need. So James chapter one, starting at verse three, and we're going to be in the uh, letter of James as far as that's concerned. Let me just do a recap real quick. Understand uh, a few things. Number one, the James that wrote this letter to the Christians at Jerusalem is the brother or half brother of Jesus Christ. He's the half brother of Jesus Christ. Um, he is also writing to the Jews who are spread out uh, throughout the Roman empire uh, to the 12 tribes that have been dispersed. And so with that, um, this is not somebody who does not know Jesus on a deep intimate level. He grew up in the same household with them. Isn't that amazing? Uh, so again, this is James, the brother of Jesus, uh, not James, the brother of John, 
one of his uh, close disciples. So let's unpack this. James, starting at chapter one, looking at verse three. And it reads like this from the New King James Version of, of Scripture. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Wow. This is going to be fun to, to unpack. So last week we started talking about trying to find joy in the midst of our trials, joy in the midst of our struggles. Uh, and we have to understand that all of us as Christians, sooner or later, will be dealing with some form of suffering. Okay. Excuse me. Um, as we look at this particular text, James is letting us know that when God allows for us to go through a trial or a test, that God is in the process of doing something as far as that test is concerned. We as disciples can face our trials with joy because God has built into the trial certain advantages. That's right, certain advantages. Um, the trials, when they are done properly, produces patience. It produces endurance. Now, while this may not be for some a new revelation for others, it might be a new revelation, but it produces patience. All right. Everyone has experienced both pain of problems and the ensuing profits of endurance. You, you don't gain anything in endurance without having gone through a test or a trial. All right. So let's 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 dig deeper as far as this is concerned, because what I want to impress upon you when we look at the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith produces patience or in the New Revised Standard Version, it says produces endurance. In the Greek, when we see the word testing, it literally means approved after testing. So although we tend to think of testing as a way of proving what we don't know or don't have, your test ought to be seen as a positive opportunity to show what you've learned. All right. So watch this. So whenever you're tested for something, it is based upon what you have already been exposed to. All right. Now, I, I know that some of us look at testing as a bad thing, but, but really it is, a, it is a positive thing because being tested means you should become stronger, wiser, even more pure after the test. Now, Let's look at this word, um, patience, 
slash endurance. And, and here's what real patience is, is ultimately all about. It is God in producing patience. Watch the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience is your faith being stretched. Let me say that again. Patience is your faith being stretched. Watch this. And it means that if God is producing patience through testing, it means that my faith is being stretched and I got to trust God for a long time. Not just for five minutes or a day or it may be for a long time. So really what James is doing in the text is James is not trying to convince anybody to get saved. All right. What James is trying to do is encourage those who are saved to stay with the faith, to stick with it, to see it through. Because this is what James knows, and this is very prevalent even in 2021. James knows they got real faith, but they're not mature. Let me say that again. A lot of folks, can we be honest? got real faith, but they're not mature. And that's the problem. Our faith has not been stretched long enough to produce patience and maturity. You don't know what you know until you've been tested. Let me say that again. You don't know what you know until you've been tested. You don't know what real faith is like until it's been tested. You don't know how much you trust God until you go through something, okay? Now, this is what I want us to understand. Anything precious has gone through pressure. <laughs> Let me say it again. Anything precious has gone through pressure. Let me say that one more time for the Holy Ghost. This is a Robert Scottism. Anything precious has gone through pressure. All right? Gold goes through the pressure of the fire. Silver goes through the pressure of refining. Diamonds. Did you know, how many of you all know that diamonds are really cold that has been under pressure for a long time. Did you all know that? Black coal, that city black coal, when it's under pressure for a long time, it becomes a diamond. So anything precious has gone through pressure. I, I am a member of what I consider to be the greatest fraternity in the world, the Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. And we have four cardinal principles, four cardinal principles, manhood, scholarship, perseverance, and uplift. Perseverance um, is you staying with the process to see the outcome. And it, 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 it's that patience, it's that endurance, it's that steadfastness, it's that fortitude, it's that staying power. 
perseverance. Perseverance. Perseverance is not passive. It's not you submitting to circumstances. Okay. It is a strong, active response to the difficult moments of your life. It is not you just saying, oh, I'm just going to let whatever happen, happen, and that's just going to be it. I'm just going to stay here and suffer and just, no. Uh, perseverance means you're working through that thing. Uh, perseverance means that you're trying to figure out how am I going to make it through this? Uh, perseverance means that you're taking something that is grimy and you're getting ready to turn it into glory and overcome it. That's what patience is all about. That's what endurance is all about. It is not you just saying, you know what? I'm just going to let whatever happen happen. And that's just going to be it. And when you do that, you become bitter, not better. You become bitter, not better. But when you endure, when you persevere, when you understand this is not just some passive submission to whatever you're dealing with, but it is an active engagement with the struggles of life that in turn produces the patience and brings God glory and makes you better and not better. Here's what I want you to understand what patience is all about and perseverance and endurance. It goes back to, I can go back to our slave ancestors. Many of our slave ancestors were not passive. They, they, they persevered. They, even though they were enslaved, they, 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 they took that struggle and they worked through it. Some of them escaped. Many of them survived what would have taken a whole lot of other folks out. So when I look at our slave ancestors, they had perseverance. When I look at our civil right forebears, they had perseverance. They had patience. They had endurance. They were not just letting stuff happen to them, but they were in the midst of the struggle and actively responding to those difficult moments in their circumstances, their difficult moments as far as life is concerned. So I want you to understand that even in 2021, that when we are going through a struggle, you don't just let stuff happen to you. You, 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 you got to persevere. You got to endure. You got to have patience. So for example, for that person that's dealing with cancer, Perseverance is going to the doctor. You may have to get the chemo or the radiation, but while you're getting chemo or radiation, you're reading your Bible, you're studying your word, you're letting God minister to you. You're letting other people minister to you. When people go through various storms of life, be it family problems or be it uh, 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 social situations, uh, part of perseverance is you tackling that problem head on or going to therapy. And dealing with it, that, that is part of perseverance. That is part of endurance. That is part of patience. Because when you emerge from it, you ought to have a total different perspective of what's going on. Now, I'm still on verse three. I'm still on verse three, but I, I want to take us a little bit deeper. Because notice what he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or produces endurance. That word produce is an agricultural term. 
Okay, it 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 is you dropping seed and reaping a harvest. Now, oh, thank you, God, for the revelation. Here's what I want you to understand about the testing of your faith producing patience. That if the testing of your faith is producing patience, then basically what James is saying is that if you hang in there, if you endure, if you engage in the active work, then ultimately you're going to get more out of it than what you put in it. Oh God, I feel a shout right now. Let me say that again. The word produce is agricultural. James is saying, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, which means that if, I, if God is testing my faith and I endure, I hang in there, I don't, um, uh, 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 I don't quit. I don't quit. Then ultimately, what's going to happen is I'm going to get more out of it than I put in it. All right. Now, listen, I'm from Mississippi. I used to, when I was younger, um, go and stay with my great grandmother. She, uh, she now sleeps in, 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 in a Mississippi grave. Her name was Alma Murray. And, and my great grandmother barely had a, a second grade education. And so she used to work for um, uh, these people and she would, you know, pick crops and stuff like that. So there were summers, my sisters and I, really Audrey and I, would, would go up and we would work some of those farms with her. And, and one of the things that we used to do was pick peas, um, green beans, uh, butter beans, corn. We, we used to pick that stuff by hand. The, the irony is that when during planting season in the spring, you would drop maybe about four or five seeds of corn in the ground, but you would reap anywhere between 10 to 12 ears of corn. And those 10 to 12 ears of corn had hundreds of seeds of corn. So when you it, when you produce something or when you produce something, you get more out of it than you put in it. Here is what makes trials so hard. Here's what makes trials so hard. We want to we want to get out of it. We want to get out of it. But here is the blessing that the trial is doing. The trial is producing patience and patience has its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, let me, if I could. Now, Sister Moore, you're not late. You're fine. Stay on. Stay on. Here is what in, in, in patience does when we're talking about perfect work. Now, what I want you to understand about the word perfect is that the word perfect work or perfect does not mean without mistake. 
Okay. So when we're talking about that, you may be perfect and complete. It is not talking about how you can go through life never, ever making any more mistakes or never, ever sinning anymore. That's that's not what perfect means here. What perfect means here. And, and I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to bless. Getting ready to bless somebody. What perfect means here is to mature. To be made better. All right. So when patience is doing this thing, several things are taking place. Number one, you are maturing. You're becoming more seasoned. You're becoming more experienced. You're becoming more developed to handle whatever God sends into sends you to do as far as the world is concerned. So let's be honest. I'm here to let you know maturity has nothing to do with your age. Even though you would think the older you get, the more mature you get. But how many of us know it's some folks in their 40s, 50s, and 60s that ain't mature? Then you got some folks that are in their 20s and 30s that are more mature. All right. So maturity has nothing to do with age. It is the quality developed in how much we have learned from the experiences in our lives. And, and, and experience is the capacity to recognize a, mis a mistake when you make it again. That's experience. You know, God, I've done this before. Maturity is the ability to recognize the mistake before you make it again. Did you catch that? There's a whole lot of folks going like, I got experience, but they ain't mature. Because if you're mature, you're able to see the mistake before you make it again. And then what? Not make the mistake. Maturity takes time. Okay. All right. So we become mature. We also become complete. What does that mean? That means that we are becoming more trained, more competent. Um, that as we become complete, our weaknesses, our imperfections are being worked out from our character. We are gaining victory over sin over old sins. In other words, stuff that used to tickle your fancy now does not. Stuff that you used to fall prey to, now you do not. Okay? Um, so when we're complete, it basically means that we have passed through a whole bunch of different stuff and we have become more mature as far as our lives are concerned. Here's what I want you to understand if you don't get anything else. God don't want cheap substitutes, but God is looking to fully develop us as followers of Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. Don't go for the fake and don't go for the quick process. All right. God is looking for fully developed disciples. That's what it means to become complete. And then when he says lacking nothing. Now, 
Here's what I want you to understand. One would suppose and think that the more educated you are, the better you'll behave. Or the more money you have, the better you'll be. Or the more time you live, the better you will uh, be able to process things. But let's be honest. You have all that stuff and still be lacking. Why? Because that stuff does not produce the maturity. Here is where I'm getting ready to make the connection. When you have gone through stuff in life, whatever you've gone through is never wasted. All right. All of us got blind spots. All of us got weaknesses. All of us got frailties that have to be corrected. And the more we behave like Jesus, the easier it becomes to deal with the weaknesses and the blind spots as far as our realities are concerned. And so James is saying we won't lack anything when we are mature and complete in the essential areas of life. This basically means that you and I have the blessed assurance that God has what we need, when we need it, how we need it, and God is ready to give it to us when God feels like we're ready to handle it. So this goes to the faithfulness of God. All right. Now, here's what I want us to understand. Scripture does not promise us perfection in this life. So again, as I said before, perfection means to be made more mature and complete. It is not sinless perfection. Perfection basically means being in the right relationship with God through the activity of obedience. Now, somebody ain't gonna like what I'm getting ready to say, but I gotta say it. The work of endurance is never complete in this life, but we should be growing. That is what sanctification is all about. That's what sanctification is all about. I said to, I said to, um, my Bible study group, not Bible study, uh, the CEO group that I was dealing with um, last, I want to say, was it last Saturday, last Saturday, that sanctification is the daily opportunity for growth in positive transformation or something like that. Okay. That, and that's, that's what, that's what sanctification is, is the daily growth opportunity for positive transformation. All right. So that basically means that if you're in Christ, you shouldn't be in the same place in areas of your life now than you were five years ago or two years ago or a year ago or even yesterday. There ought to be some substantial growth. Let's look at verse five. Let's look at verse five. 
If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. If any of you lack wisdom, if James is talking about the benefits that come connected with the testing, with the trials of our life, um, if we don't have God in our life, we become hopeless in those situations. All right. And so that means that we need to have a certain level of wisdom. Now, wisdom and knowledge are two different things. Wisdom and intelligence are two different things. I know folks who got a whole lot of knowledge, been to college, got every kind of degree behind their name, but they ain't wise. Okay. So wisdom and knowledge are two different things. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Now, let me, if I could, before I dig on this thing about wisdom, talk about let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and let it be given to him. When we see the word gives to all liberally, when we're talking about giving to all liberally, we are not talking about material possessions. We're talking about wisdom. God is ready to drop wisdom on you and me. Okay. Uh, it is not material things. It's wisdom. All right. And, and, and what does wisdom do? First of all, wisdom is very practical. All right. Wisdom is very practical. Wisdom is not isolated from suffering and trials. Wisdom is the tool that we use to overcome our trials. An intelligent person may have some great ideas, but a wise person knows how to put great ideas into action. Intelligence may allow for a person to talk about why things are a certain way, but wisdom allows for the person to take action on why things are going a certain way. So wisdom, first of all, is practical which means not only is it practical, it also means that you got to put it into practice. Okay, you got to put it into practice. So that's what wisdom means, all right? How many folks you know always talk, 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 but they don't do anything? They don't move on anything, but they love to pontificate, all right? So wisdom is practical. Wisdom is also divine, all right? There's a difference between common sense and wisdom, all right? God's wisdom goes beyond just common sense, but unfortunately, even in today's culture, common sense is not so common anymore. When we have wisdom from God, when we have wisdom from God, first of all, we respect God, we revere God, we worship God, we fear God, not of being scared, but a healthy sense of reverence. And when we have that wisdom, we live for God. And God leads us by living according to God's word and directions. And wisdom also is the capacity to tell right from wrong and to do right from wrong. Okay. So wisdom is divine. And then we got to understand that wisdom is also Christ-like. It's Christ-like. As a matter of fact, Jesus is referred to as the wisdom of God. 
the Sophia of God. That goes back to what John says. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was what made flesh. So Jesus is the fleshly articulation of the mind of God, of the wisdom of God. James, the brother of Jesus says, ask God, recognizing our lack of wisdom should not cause us to become desperate, but it should cause us to turn to God instead. All right. And God is ready to lavish. That's what the word liberally means, lavish. Throw on you, spray upon you, lavish you with, watch, wisdom. With wisdom. God gives the wisdom generously. That's what liberally means, generously. God gives the wisdom ungrudgingly. God, God doesn't resent the fact that we need God. God doesn't resent our prayers. God welcomes our requests. God doesn't complain or criticize us because we can't dot every I nor cross every T. God wants us to call upon God for aid and assistance. You and I can be honest with God and pour our deepest feelings and fears to God. And God accepts us and understand our weaknesses. So when we come to God with difficulties and suffering, God isn't hesitant to give us wisdom. Wisdom. It requires prayer, though. Okay? It requires prayer. And, and, and then notice what James says. James says, it'll be given to him. Again, what is given to us? Wisdom. We're not talking about money. We're not talking about power. We're not talking about prestige. We're talking about wisdom. When you think about this aspect of wisdom, my mind goes to Solomon. That when the Lord says, Solomon, you know, whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. Solomon could have asked for money. Solomon could have asked for power. But Solomon said, Lord, give me wisdom so I can lead your people. And the Lord said to him, because you have asked for this, I'm going to give you that and a whole lot more. A whole lot more. A lot of times we're asking for God. I know I'm going to get in trouble for this. We're asking for God to get me out of a jam or we're asking for God for money or we're asking God to pay a bill or we're asking God to, to uh, uh, take care of a need. And maybe before we ask God for any of that, maybe we need to start asking God for wisdom. Wisdom. To do and work with what God has already given us. And, and here's what wisdom really looks like. Because when you ask God for wisdom, then wisdom will let you know that God ain't got to do it the way you want God to do it. I think I just said something. When you ask for wisdom, you then understand that God ain't got to move the way you think God should move. My daughter, Cheris, bless her heart, she'll be 12 next month. 
And I was taking her to school one day and we were listening to some music on, on the radio, uh, praise station uh, on the radio. And as we were listening to the praise station on the radio, and I forgot the name of the song, <laughs> but Cheris, she looked at me and she said, daddy, I said, yes. She said, you know, some of these praise songs don't sound like songs of praise, but they sound like demands to God. She said, that ain't what real praise is. I was done. I said, out of the mouth of babes. Mess me up. And I want to suggest that, that, that some of this stuff that, you know, praise and all that stuff, some of this stuff we trying to make God fit what we want. And that ain't praise. Real wisdom means that you understand God ain't got to do it the way you want it to be done. This verse does not permit us to ask God for wisdom to bring about our will. Instead, when we ask God for wisdom, it is so that we can stay in God's will. Am I making any sense, y'all? All right. Okay. I I'm going to finish this section today. I promise I am. <laughs> So let's look at verse six it says, but let him ask in faith, not doubting for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind for let him not for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. All right, we're coming in for the home stretch. Let him ask in Faith. What, what is he asking in faith? For wisdom. For wisdom. Let him ask in faith. The condition for us getting the wisdom of God is that we got to do it in faith. All right. God is ready to lavish us with wisdom. But the one who asks will not receive it if he does not have confidence that God will answer it. You ain't going to get wisdom if you don't believe that God can give it. All right. In other words, when we ask, we must believe. When we ask, and, and again, this is what I want you to understand. We ain't talking about for you to get healed. We ain't talking about for you to get uh, a new house, a new car. We're not talking about material possessions. We're not talking about power or prestige. We're not talking about opening doors. We, no, we're talking about wisdom. And James is saying, if you ask for wisdom, you got to believe. So he is saying, you got to have faith. You got to have the single-minded confidence in God. And as you go through your trials, as you go through your testing, you got to hold on to God. It Faith is the continued trusting in God despite your circumstances. Faith is you holding on to the promises of heaven while you're going through hell. Am I helping somebody today? That's, that's what faith is. All right. And the Bible says without faith, you can't please God. And then James says, without doubting, without doubting. 
And what, what, what James is trying to get us to understand here is that doubting, when you doubt, your mind is divided. It's double-minded. All right. Now, let, let me let me if I could, I want to I want to explain doubting here because I don't want to lose anybody. Stay with me for about three minutes while I deal with doubting, because doubting here has nothing to do with doubting whether God can do something. OK, rather, it describes someone who is divided between what you want versus what God wants. Doubting is you being self-centered rather than God-centered. Okay, I, am, am I helping somebody? So, so in this text, doubting is not dealing with, you know, God, I don't understand, or God, I don't quite get it, or, or even you asking God questions. It, it, it's you being divided between what you want, what God wants, you being divided between self-centeredness and, and, and God-centeredness. So, 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 so let me see if I can at least knock the ball and get on first base. Doubting is when you trust you and your stuff more than you trust God. Mm -hmm. When you trust your connections, when you trust your money, when you trust your education, when you trust uh, your 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 political connection or your politics. When you trust that stuff more than God, you are doubting. See, see, doubting doesn't. It's not. We're not talking about. It's not connected to new faith or your faith faltering or your faith weakening. The word doubting here is dealing with. Put this in the chat, Dab. Doubting here deals with divided loyalty. Divided loyalty. If y'all don't get nothing else, get that today. It's divided loyalty. It is divided loyalty. And let's be honest, we got a whole lot of folk in the church that's got divided loyalty. Okay. Divided loyalty. James says that when your loyalty is divided, you will be like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. In other words, you'll be going back and forth. You waver between choices. And in the end, you may not even make a decision. You might just stay stuck. People who are stuck usually have divided loyalties. People who can't move usually have divided loyalty. James drives the point home saying that man, um, for let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. God's promises are not like lottery tickets. Okay. So you can't you can't go to the Lord 
drop a whole bunch of stuff on 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 the Lord with the hope that you're gonna get it the way you dropped it. The way that God moves is not subject to how you think God should move. That's why we're called to trust God because God is more than faithful and we can depend upon the character of God. So when I say that I'm gonna trust God when I'm gonna put faith in God, here's, here, here, here is the social media post. When I say I'm going to put trust in God, if I'm going to trust God, I can't determine how God is going to answer or when God is going to answer. But I can be confident in knowing that God will answer. Here's what doubt does when your your loyalty is divided, that when you have doubt. You have no right to expect anything from God, especially wisdom. When, 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 when you doubt, you, you don't have the right to expect anything from God. Why? Because your ask, your request was not genuine. James says that person is double-minded. When you're double-minded, when you're unstable, you can't trust God and you can't be you, you, you can't trust God when you're double minded and claim to be a believer. And yet you feel with divided loyalty. When you when you doubt you are double minded and you're trying to play both sides of the fence. It doesn't work like that. When you're double minded, you're trying to be a double agent. It doesn't work like that. Because when you're double-minded, it comes out in your prayers. And not only does it come out in your prayers, it comes out in everything you do. So James makes it clear. James makes it clear. We could live a single-minded life of trusting God with everything, including the trials we fall into. All right. Or we can be double-minded where every experience will be approached with divided loyalty. In other words, if God fixes, I'm going to roll with God. But if it goes the way that I'm planning for it to go, I'll roll with that. It doesn't work like that. You got to ask God for wisdom to make the right choices. So, so, Check this out right now. Are you double-minded? Do you have divided loyalty? What does that divided loyalty look like in your personal life? Do you proclaim that physical exercise is good, healthy, but you don't exercise? When it comes to your finances, do you uh, say, Lord, I trust you with my finances, but you'll need to give tithes and offerings? Double-minded. Social life. Are you two-faced among different kinds of friends? You behave one way with one group and another way with another group. Spiritually, is your loyalty divided between the culture and God? That's what double-minded means in this text. 
divided loyalty. I close with this. Trust God. Trust God to give you the wisdom that you need to operate in this life as God prepares us for the life to come. And what that wisdom looks like as far as his life is concerned is going to impact our relationships, our finances, our values, how we view ourselves, and how we view God. Amen. So um, I've gotten through today. <laughs> I want you to, for next week, to read verses 9 through 18. Verses 9 through 18 for next week. Read verses 9 through 18 for next week. And before I close, um, I'm checking the comments to see, are there any questions that anyone has before uh, we close out in prayer? Any questions before we close out in prayer? Any questions? All right. Um, before we close out in prayer, I just want to let you all know that this weekend is Men's Day weekend. Um, there should be uh, some information going out, uh, especially for our men to join us as far as our prayer call is concerned on um, not prayer call, our prayer breakfast, rather, uh, on Saturday. Uh, Bishop John Gunn is going to be our guest speaker on Saturday, and he's going to be our guest preacher on Sunday. If you've never heard Bishop John Eric Gunn's, you're in for a treat. He is just absolutely amazing. Uh, he has been... Um, appointed to be the new dean at the Virginia Union School of Theology, the Samuel DeRitt Proctor School of Theology at Virginia Union. And he is also the pastor of the St. Paul Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, gifted preacher, a gifted mind. Uh, he's going to be sharing with us uh, this weekend. So uh, men, we want you to join us on uh, Saturday. And we want everybody to join us on Sunday. We're asking the men to give at least $100. We're asking for the sisters to join us with uh, um, a sacrificial offering of $50. We're asking for you all to do that. Also, um, there should be information going out about items that we need to collect this weekend for our brothers and sisters who are incarcerated and who will be coming out of the Mecklenburg Detention Center that's going to need items to function like different clothing items and things like that. And so information should be coming to you all via email. The other thing I want to share with you before I close us out in prayer is that I want to just thank you all for your generosity toward our brothers and sisters in Haiti. As of yesterday, we have raised over $17,000 for Haitian relief due to the devastation they have experienced because of the earthquake. We see how this country is treating our Haitian brothers and sisters on the border in Del Rio, Texas. And that just really quickened my resolve to do whatever we can for Haiti. Your gift, your giving has made that a working reality. And so we're gonna be sending um, whatever we get and we still have funds that are coming in. So if you wanna contribute, 
could please continue to do so. Um, it is very possible that we will probably send Lot Carry a check for $20,000 to Haiti. And that's just absolutely amazing based on your kindness and your generosity. So God is to be praised as far as that's concerned. So thank you all so very much. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, today is my birthday, 53 years. I thank the Lord for that. And um, um, I, 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 St. Paul, uh, after my family, you all are the greatest gift that God has, has allowed for me to, to, to have and to be able to do life with you all and to grow and become more mature and complete and perfect. Uh, with you all. Uh, it is a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I thank God um, for the relationship that we have as we're doing life together. So so thank you all so very much. Uh, I've had a whole bunch of well wishes on Facebook and text messages and um, uh, phone calls already. And so I just want to thank you all so much for your kindness and, and for your generosity. I love you, St. Paul. I love you all, my family and friends who have been so gracious. And, um, uh, you know, we don't take life for granted. So uh, I am uh, definitely appreciative of that. Well, listen, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Um, we had, uh, oh, before I do that, anyone that desires to continue to join us as far as our uh, giving is concerned, you're more than welcome to give. And you can do that even now if you want to drop off a check of money order or cash at the church. I just call the church office at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is here to receive your offering. And uh, you can bring that to 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. And we will make sure it's part of the following Sunday count. Uh, or you can mail your check of money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or you can go to our church website. Give either through Church Life or Vimeo, or you can give through the app called Givelify. And if you don't have that app, download that app to your smart device, connect it to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. So um, uh, if you feel led to give at this particular time, uh, I want to encourage you to, to do that. But more importantly, I want you to join us uh, either Saturday for our men's prayer breakfast or Sunday in worship as far as uh, our time of worship is concerned. But listen, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to study your word, to uh, understand that divided loyalty is doubt. When we trust ourselves more than we trust you, it's doubt. Uh, when we become more human-centered and God-centered, it is doubt. Give us wisdom. Give us wisdom to do the things you desire for us to do. Give us wisdom. That is perhaps the greatest blessing you can give any of your children. Not clothes, not fortune, not fame, not money, not power, not prestige, not position, but wisdom. Wisdom to trust you implicitly. That is my prayer. Amen. Listen, I love you all. God bless you all. Have a great day and um, be safe.